0: Good morning. This is Pastor Mike Letterman with ChristLives.org. Today we continue our series of sermons in the book of Mark as we learn more about the servant Jesus. Today our text is taken from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. I've entitled this sermon, The Master of the Storm. I want you to think back about the events of this day. It had been a long and difficult day for the Lord Jesus. The events of this day actually began in Mark chapter 3, verse 20. He'd already had a confrontation with the Pharisees in verses 22 through 30. His family and friends thought he'd gone crazy and tried to kidnap him, verse 21, 31 through 35. And Jesus also taught the people in parables, and he'd spent time explaining his parable to his disciples. Today, our lesson comes from Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. Let's read from God's word. I'm reading from the King James Version today. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, And they awakened him, and saith unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why were ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and saith one to another, What matter of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So during the day, Jesus had sat in a little boat just off the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He had used that boat as his pulpit as he preached to the great multitudes that had gathered to hear him. We see that in in chapter 4, verse 1. And when the day was over, he called his disciples to set sail for the other side of the lake. When darkness fell, the disciples were making their way across that little lake. And while they guided the boat, Jesus lay fast asleep in the rear of the boat. He was weary and tired from the business of the day. This is one of the clearest portraits of our Lord's humanity in the Gospels, and I praise the Lord that he understands our weakness. He's able to sympathize with us when we get tired. You can see that also in Psalms chapter 103 and verse 14. Most of our Lord's disciples were used to being on the Sea of Galilee at night. They were fishermen after all. And some events would occur this night that would change their lives and their perception of the Lord Jesus. This miracle is the first of four that we will be preaching about in the coming weeks. These four miracles prove to the disciples and to us that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. They demonstrate that he is the master in every situation. That night, in that storm, the disciples found themselves in the fight of their lives. They experience the Lord's power to deliver them, and they live to tell the tale. I would like for us to take a moment and climb in the boat with them as they cross the Sea of Galilee. Their experience has much to teach us today. There's a sense in which we're all involved in a journey today. We're all sailing toward an unseen port called heaven. And as we sail, storms will arise and toss our vessel. Like the disciples, we often think the storms are going to destroy us. I want you to know that your storms were not sent to destroy you, but to develop you. Let's join the Lord and his men as they make their way across the Sea of Galilee. I want to point out some observations from this passage and preach on the master of the storm. First of all, let's look at the power of this storm. Of suddenness, it says the Bible says there arose a great storm of wind. I'd like to point out to you that storms like this are very common on the Sea of Galilee because it's an unusual body of water. It's actually relatively small, about 13 miles long and seven—I think seven feet wide or seven miles wide—but it's also about 150 feet deep, and the shoreline itself is about 680 feet below sea level. Because the Sea of Galilee is below sea level and it's surrounded by mountains, it's very susceptible to sudden storms. Winds sweeping across the land come up and over the mountains and create downdrafts over that lake. Combined with a thunderstorm that suddenly appears over the surrounding mountains, the water can stir into violent 20-foot waves. The sea can be calm one minute and violent the next. These storms do not usually happen at night. So these men did not set out in a storm, and they did not expect one either. But a storm came anyway. And that's the way life is. Things can be fine one moment, and the next the bottom falls out. One minute you may be enjoying fair weather, and the next you find yourself in the middle of a terrible and horrible storm of life. One phone call. One 24-hour period of time. One doctor visit. One tick of the clock. And there you are in the storm of your life. That shouldn't really surprise us. The Bible says that storms will come our way. You can see that in Job chapter 14 verse 1, Ecclesiastes 2:23, John 16:33. In fact, you're in one of those three places today. You're either in a storm, just coming out of a storm, or headed into a storm. Sudden storms are a part of our lives. If you look at the severity, the ship was now full. These seasoned fishermen were frightened by the severity of this storm. The ship is rocking and reeling. It's full of water, and they're afraid it's about to sink. It was a violent storm, and it was a nighttime too. They could not see where they were or how close they were to the shore or to to other ships around them. They were in terrible danger, and they feared for their lives. When the storms of life come, they are often severe and cause us great anguish and pain. The storms of suffering blow into our lives and devastate us with heartache, heartbreak, and turmoil. One problem will arise after another and they will bury us under a blizzard of affliction. Many can testify about the storms of suffering. Others face the storm of sorrow. Someone you love is called away by death, and it leaves you grief-stricken and shaken by your loss. Sorrow touches every life. You see, Jesus was in their boat, and they were still afflicted by a storm of sorrow. Still others are engulfed in a storm of sin. When sin enters our hearts, it always comes in as a pleasant, calm breeze. It promises us the best, but it soon displays its darker side. It will rip through your life like a tornado leaving a trail of damage and destruction that can only be repaired by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. Some of you in the sound of my voice today are in that storm. So the storms come and they bring with them fear, anxiety, and pain. I want you to know that there is no storm on earth that heaven cannot calm. There is no problem so great that Jesus cannot fix. Bring that storm to him and watch him deal with it. Let's look at the source of this storm. Where did it come from? It may have been natural after all. As I've already shared, the Sea of Galilee is susceptible to storms of this nature. However, it was unusual that it came at night, and that was extremely rare. God might have sent it for the very purpose of teaching these men to trust in Jesus, or the storm could have been satanic in origin. When Jesus calmed the storm in verse 39 and said, Be still, I want you to know that that's the same word that is translated as hold thy peace in Mark chapter 1 verse 25. The word means to be muzzled. It has the idea of muzzling a violent animal. When Jesus used that word in Mark chapter 1 verse 25, he was using it to command demons to be quiet. Perhaps the storm was an attempt by Satan to destroy the Lord Jesus. The Bible really doesn't say and does not reveal the source of the storm. You know, the storms in our own lives can come from a lot of different sources too. Sometimes the storms are our own fault. We do things that get us into trouble and we have to pay the price. If you don't believe me, just look at the book of Jonah. We always reap what we sow in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Sometimes we cause our own storms. Sometimes God sends the storms. Why would he do that? Sometimes he uses it to discipline us and draw us closer to him. That was the case with David after he had sinned with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel um, 11-12. Sometimes he does it to teach us to trust him more deeply. This was the case with Job and all that he was forced to endure. When God sends the storm, it's always to draw us closer. Sometimes Satan is allowed to send the storm. Satan will whip up a storm in your life, to defeat you, and drive you away from the Lord. He will do everything in his power to destroy you and your faith in God. We have a real enemy who is seeking to defeat and destroy God's children, and he will do whatever it takes to accomplish that. Satan is limited in his ability to torment us by the sovereign will of God. Let's look at the problem of the storm. The greatest storm that night was not on the Sea of Galilee, but it was in the hearts of the disciples. This storm on the sea whipped up a storm of doubt within them that threatened to drown us all. A very great pastor and preacher that I know was talking one day about the effects of sin on mankind, and he made a very true statement Brother Mike, it's not the sin outside that I'm worried about. It's the sin inside that I'm most concerned about. While the storm was raging around them, Jesus was fast asleep at the back of the boat, and they run to him and wake him up. The word awaken that's used here means to rouse from sleep. It was used to speak of a calm sea that was just beginning to be agitated. I believe the Bible is telling us that they went to where he was sleeping and they began to shake him to wake him up. These men were terrified and had lost all hope of ever surviving the storm. Let's examine the doubts of these men. First of all, they doubted his goodness. Carest thou not? They accused the Lord of not caring about what they were facing. Why did they have this doubt? Me, after all, they had already seen his compassion and goodness in action. They had seen Jesus conquer devils, disease, and depravity. In Mark chapter 1, verse 22 through chapter 2, verse 12, they have seen all these things happen. Now they're faced with a storm and they're afraid. They should have known that a puff of wind on a little pond could not thwart sovereign omnipotence. Do you know what their problem was? They were looking at their situation and not at their Savior. They had their thoughts on the facts and not on faith. Before we get too hard on these men, we need to consider our own hearts. Have there ever been times when the storms were raging in your life that you've ever questioned God's concern for you? You might not have said it out loud, but I'm sure there have been times when your flesh cried, Lord, don't you care about what's happening to me? Yeah, we've all been there. And I want you to know something today. I want you to know that he does care. He cares more about you than you could ever know. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 through 16. He cares. And he's doing something about the situation even though you might not see it now. Don't question his concern. He really does care. These men also doubted his grace. We perish. Remember, It was Jesus who had sent them out onto the sea in the first place. These men had left everything to follow Jesus, and now he has led them into an impossibly dangerous situation. They're afraid that Jesus is just going to let them all die. Let me tell you this, Jesus did not save you to abandon you when the going gets a little tough. He's absolutely committed to you and will never forsake you. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. The word leave means to let sink. The word forsake means that he won't abandon you, desert you, or leave you under any circumstances. And when the storm is raging and when your boat is rocking and reeling, when the adverse winds are blowing and when the waves are crashing against your vessel... He will not let you sink. He will hold you up and never desert you under any circumstances. The Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely committed to you. The city of Jerusalem once felt forsaken by the Lord. Here's what they said and what the Lord said in reply. But Zion saith, The Lord hath forsaken me. And my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her suckling child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet I will never forget thee. For I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. That's Isaiah chapter 49, verses 14 through 16. If the Lord would love the nation of Israel, who had redeemed out of Egypt... How much more will he love and protect his own church whom he has redeemed by the blood of his son Jesus? He is committed to you. He will be present with you and he will give you grace sufficient for your need. These men also doubted his guarantee. Let us pass over unto the other side. Jesus had already told these men what was going to happen. He told them before the journey started that they were headed to the other side of the lake. And if they had believed his words, they could have shouted in the face of the storm. I want you to take note that we act the same way. The Lord has already promised us that everything is going to be all right. Let me give you some verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17. Romans chapter 8, 18. He has promised us that he will take care of us. Look at Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 34 and Luke chapter 12 verse 32. If we could just learn to take him at his word, then we could face the storms of life without fear. We would understand who controls the storms and we could have peace even while the winds blow and the waves crash. you know, a young military officer and his young bride were married. They set out on a honeymoon voyage, and while they sailed, a violent storm began to beat against their vessel. The young bride became very frightened by the storm, but her new husband was not afraid, and she got irritated with him because he wasn't afraid like she was. After a while, he took out his sword, pulled it out of his sheath, and put the point of the sword on the throat of his new bride. And she looked up at him and she smiled. He said, you're not afraid. She said, no, I'm not afraid of the sword when it's in the hands of one who loves me. And she got the point. You don't have to be afraid of a storm it's in the hands of one who loves you. There is one who rules over land and sea There is one who has the power to calm the storms that arise in your life. You and I don't need to fear the storm when our gracious, loving Heavenly Father has his hands on the thermostat and he's the one that's in control. Let's look at the purpose of the storm in verses 39 through 41. When they roused Jesus from sleep, he began to work. As he did, they made some precious discoveries. About the Lord. These are discoveries that we need to know and remember as well. As we face the storms in our lives, it will help us to know all we can about the one who rides in our vessel. They made discoveries about his power. This storm that so terrified these men posed no problem for the Lord Jesus. He rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea, and when he did, the waves fell silent and the sea became as a sheet of glass. Just as easily as he had healed the sick and cast out devils, he was able to control the storm. The Lord we serve still has that same power today. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Your storm is no problem for God. He can silence it with a word if he so desires. He may, however, to desire to allow the storm to rage. And when he does this, he is well able to protect you in the midst of that storm. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. Look at Daniel in the lion's den in Daniel 6. These men made discoveries about his promises. Just as he said, they passed over. In Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They learned that Jesus was as good as his word. And my brothers and sisters, he still is. Everything he has promised, he will do. In Romans chapter four, verse 21, Hebrews chapter six, verse 18, he will not back away from any promise he has made us in in this book, the Holy Bible. They made discoveries about his presence. When the Lord is in your vessel, you have the advantage. The Bible says in verse 36 that there were also with him other little ships. There were many boats on the sea that night, but only one that contained the Lord of glory. That boat was the place to be. As we sail on the sea of life, we need to remember that we're all in this thing together. We're all on the sea. We're all in our boat, and we all make this voyage together. We need to be sure that Jesus rides with us in our vessel, and having Jesus in your vessel makes all the difference. They were able to call on him because he was with them. They were able to see him move in power because he was with them. They were able to experience his peace because he was with them. Is he in your vessel? If he isn't, how do you weather the storms that arise in your life? They made discoveries about his purposes. The storm taught these men a lesson that they could have learned no other way. It would have been nice if they could have simply believed him after seeing him do all the great things he did in chapters 1 and 2. It would have been great if they could have taken the things the Lord did for others and applied it to their own lives. If they could have said, you know, if Jesus can heal a leper, cure Peter's mother-in-law, cast out devils, heal that guy with a palsy and forgive his sins, then I'm sure he can take care of this storm too but they seemed unable to process that information and apply it to their own lives. So he sent them into this storm to teach them to trust him. What about us? We have the Bible. It tells us all the things he's done and can do. We have the testimony of others around us. We've seen what he's done for them We have even seen him move in our own lives. Wouldn't it be great if we could just trust him? And if we don't, he uses the storms to teach us so that we can learn to lean on him and trust him to take care of us. When they arrived in Gadara, they saw the demon-possessed man. I wonder if they doubted him after the storm. When they saw Jairus, come for help for his daughter. And even when she died, I wonder if they said, I believe he can take care of this. I think the storm increased their faith. And that might have been the purpose all along. If it wasn't the purpose, the Lord surely used it in that fashion. And he does the same thing for us. When you come to Mark chapter 6, verse 48 through 51, there you find these same men in another storm. And again, they're afraid. They're filled with doubt once again, but this time, Jesus is not with them in the boat. Again, they're filled with doubts and fears, and Jesus comes to them and steals their storm. They're taught another valuable lesson. Are you listening? Even when you can't see him, he is still watching you and working on your behalf. Sometimes he sends the storms to educate us and to teach us trust. His purpose is not to hurt us, but to grow us. You can always trust the Lord to do the right in the storms of life. They also made discoveries about his peace. While they're fretting and fearing, what is the Lord doing? He's sleeping. Why? He knows that he is in the center of his Father's will. He knows that he will die on a cross and not in a shipwreck. He can sleep during the storm because he trusts his Father to take care of him. If a situation doesn't rattle the Lord, we shouldn't allow it to rattle us either, and nothing rattles him. They made discoveries about his person. When Jesus calmed the sea, they were amazed and said, What manner of man is this? They learned that he is the one who is in control of every puff of wind, every angry wave, and every storm. He's a good man to know he can corral the waves lasso the winds and tie the storm do you know him today you know I don't know the nature of your storm this morning but I know who can calm it he's still the master of the deep if it's a storm of suffering he can ease your pain if it's a storm of sorrow he can comfort your soul if it's a storm of sin he He can deliver you and set you free. Do you need to hear Jesus say, Peace, be still to your storm. If you do, I'd like to ask you to bring it to him today and watch him work. Bow with me if you can, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have had together to speak of your word and to expound your word and to listen to your word. Father, I feel that there are those in the sound of my voice that have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they will never know the true peace from the storm that you give to people who believe in Jesus. Father, I ask you to move on their hearts today, to help them move forward to accept you wherever they are, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and to ask Him into their lives for forgiveness of their sins. Father, there are others in the sound of my voice that have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, but something's happened along the way. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something someone said. Maybe it's something someone did. But for whatever the reason, Lord, they need to return back to you. So, Father, I ask you to work on their hearts today, Lord. Help them see that they still need Jesus in their boat. They can't do this 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 sailing of life on the seas of life without him there. Father, we need people to come back to you to help in this battle against Satan. Father, I would ask you to move on their hearts as well. Whatever the need is today, God, I ask you to present it. For this prayer, I ask in Jesus Christ's holy name, amen. If you made a decision today, I would like very much to know about it. If you would, please send an email to ministry at christ-liz.org or visit our webpage at wwwchrist livesorg and uh, visit the contact page there. If you'd like us to pray for you, I promise I will put your name in our prayer journal the moment it hits that email. My dear brothers and sisters, I thank you so much for your time and attention today. And may God bless you and keep you. Amen.